retrospect, looking back at it, it was a very Americanish moment because you were desperately trying to participate in this holiday, and we had the dry ass turkey, but we also had macaroni <laughs> bechamel and melucheya and maybe even kosheri, depending on the year. You um, said you guys have a stuffed quail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a holiday food, the first class version of stuffed turkey. Like common <laughs> folk, like us, we have stuffed turkey, and you guys are like, no, 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 we're gonna Mm-mm. stuff a quail. My name is Adela Kochav. And my name is Mariam Waba. We are the Daughters of Diaspora. And this is an Americanish Conversation. Welcome back to Americanish. We have a lot to talk about this week, but before we get to the fun stuff, we have uh, a very happy birthday to wish the oh. lovely Adela. We're actually a week, what, two weeks late now, Adela? To a week, wish like 10 happy... days. 10 days. <laughs> Who's I mean, counting? Arab and a Jew, and we're 10 days late. I think that's still a win in terms of the grand scheme of, of things. To yeah. be honest, to be honest, it has not been my Hebrew birthday yet. My Hebrew Ooh. birthday is actually this coming Friday. So, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking what's, at my Hebrew calendar right now. What's the math behind that? How far off is Hebrew calendar than Western calendar? It depends on the year because it goes by lunar calendar. So, um, like, for example, like in, in um, you know, the Anglo calendar, uh, Gregorian calendar, whatever you want to call it, there's um, a leap day every now and then. Yeah. Jews have a full leap month. Sometimes we're like, it's Adar Bet. <laughs> They're like, what? It's just the second Adar. So it really depends. Right now, it, it looks like for, for this year, it's just um, about two weeks off. So Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll remember. Oh, that's going on my calendar. I wish you a Hebrew happy birthday on Friday. Um, did you do anything fun? On your birthday? I did. I did. So before my birthday, which I know is um, technically there's a lot of cultures that have a superstition that you can't celebrate your birthday before your actual birthday. But in my family, it's actually customary to call everyone and say happy birthday the day before their birthday. But Hmm. um, I did. On Thursday, I had a pregame at my apartment and then I had a party at a place called La Macarena um, on Times Square, which Mariam very... Very gladly, very happily. I'm very grateful, came uh, to wish me a happy birthday. We partied. We got some pizza. It was a good time. It was so much fun. Can I actually tell you? So by the time we saw each other, we were both a little intoxicated. But <laughs> So by the time I was ready to make it to your pregame, it was already like 10 o'clock. And the, the, gate, the pregame was supposed to end at 10. So I was like, you know what? Let me just go straight to the party. I'll meet them there. So I get to the party and you guys are not done pre-gaming. No, we did There's not leave my house until st- 11. <laughs> <laughs> There's still pre-gaming happening. And I'm texting our mutual friend who's at the pre-game. I was like, are you guys heading out yet? Like, I'm already here. What are you guys up to? And he's like, you, you know, to be honest with you, it doesn't look like we're heading out anytime soon. So I go into the CVS and I buy like a hard seltzer. And I'm just walking around Times Square drinking out of a brown paper bag. Like a real New Yorker. Like a real New Yorker. <laughs> and at one point... David, our mutual friend, he's like, yeah, it's not happening anytime soon. You should like do something. (laughs) So I'm walking around and I find the church. This is so (laughs) sacrilegious. I can't believe I want to say this publicly, but I'm sitting in front on the like footsteps of the church, this like evangelical church in Times Square, um, drinking hard seltzer, just waiting for you guys to head to the restaurant. It was a great time. I had so much fun. I like people watched and it's Times Square. So it's like, there's 
there's bound to be something to watch. Yeah, there's yeah. Some, something bound interesting bound to happen at some point or another so yeah i drank by myself on the stool of a church in times square waiting for your party to start and well, that's how everyone time. should celebrate my birthday everyone here if you're <laughs> listening november 12th find yourself a church get yourself a hard sun seltzer a brown paper bag sit on the soup watch people that's how you truly celebrate adela's birthday yep and then you guys showed up, and it was so much fun. You, I, fun. I already know the Kohab's not to throw a good party, but that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. I, I had a really, really good time, but the DJ kept not playing songs that we asked for. Like, we would ask him. Oh, really? And, yeah, so La Macarena is obviously a Latino club, and we kept asking him. The, the DJ was Dominican, and I asked him to play a couple of, like, Mexican classics, and he was like, no. And I was like, what? He's like, no. And I'm like, what? It's my birthday. He was like, no. And I was like, well, oh my God, this is discrimination, sir. <laughs> this is discrimination. No. Um, so um, the, the pregame was a ton, ton, ton of fun. I wish you could have been there. I think for next year, I'm just going to do a massive pregame. And that's it. We're just going to break it. <laughs> pregame for what? Doesn't matter. Just leave whenever you want to leave. But we're just going to have like 70 people here in my apartment. It's going to be fun. You should have told, like, you should have pulled up the NYU article and be like, this is discrimination. No I'm, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> I'm going to sue you. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. That I threatening to sue with with all the anti Semitism that's been coming up, I've had a lot of like Jews themselves message me and like be like, Should we sue for this? And I'm like, Why are you asking me? Also, no. <laughs> if we keep suing for everything, no one's gonna take us seriously. They're like, But isn't it the Jewish way? I'm like, if anyone said that other than you, who is Jewish, that would be problematic. So that's no, but a yes, great but no. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. And I think at one point your brother Solomon put like a, you know, the olive oil sippy pour thing on top of the Tito's bottle. Yeah. yeah. Was it a Tito's bottle or something? And he was I just going around pouring tequila into people's mouths. Yeah. And at some point it was, just, it got so out of hand. I was like, give me that bottle. I'm turning this around on you. We need to get you drunker. Cause you can't keep doing this. To us. Oh, that's so fun. He, he FaceTimed uh, his fiance, Jackie during the party. So that was really nice. I got to talk to her whenever my brother and Jackie are together. It's like exponentially fun forever and around them. And turns out that also works a little bit through FaceTime. So, oh know, yeah. Like, yeah. She, she's like a lot of value add, which is really great. Good for the fam. Good for the fam. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, turning to this week. So this week, Friday, will be my Hebrew birthday. But this week, Thursday, is also Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, as you guys know, if you're, if you're just joining us now or if you've been listening for a while, I am a Syrian Jew born in Mexico. And Mariam is a Copt, which is an Egyptian Christian. So neither of us are exactly American, hence the name American-ish. But we love America. We live in America. Uh, we have some American customs, but we also put our own spin on it. So how about you tell me about what Mariam's Thanksgiving looks like? Oh, man. Um, so you know a little bit about this. But so the first couple of years that we lived in the U.S., we really tried to participate in American culture, particularly Thanksgiving, which I think is one of America's greatest exports to the world. I really love Thanksgiving, even though I don't like go too hard on celebrating it. I think it's a really beautiful holiday and sentiment. Um, so the first few years we really leaned in and we would get the turkey. And at some point my mom would just go to the grocery store and kind of just buy what other people were buying and not knowing what it is <laughs> because we just wanted to participate. So she'd buy like the canned green beans and the cranberry sauce and all these things. And she would like put them out onto bowls and plates and stuff but we wouldn't eat them because they looked pretty weird <laughs> like 
why would you put green beans in cans? But I digress. So <laughs> she put everything out, but we wouldn't eat it, maybe except for the turkey. Um, but we really desperately wanted to participate. And I think after a couple of years, maybe the fourth or fifth year, we were like, this is really absurd. Like we buy the green beans and the cranberry sauce and it goes in the bowls, but nobody eats it. I think we're just like, it's theatrics, the theatrics of Thanksgiving. And I think around four, year four or five, we stopped and we kind of made it on our own. So we'd make the turkey, but we'd also make like macarona bechamel and melocheya, which is like classic Egyptian foods. And it was a really, in retrospect, looking back at it, it was a very Americanish moment because you were desperately trying to participate in this holiday. And we had the dry ass turkey, but we also had macarona <laughs> bechamel and melocheya and maybe even kosheri, depending on the year. You said um, you guys have a stuffed quail. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very, um, it's a like, it's a holiday food. Like we have it on Christmas and Easter. Like if you're breaking a fast, especially in Coptic tradition, like quail, stuffed quail, it's very delicious. Dude, is that's like, like a the food. Do you guys have class? that? No, we don't have that. But that's no? like the first class version of stuffed turkey. Like common <laughs> folk like us, we have stuffed turkey and you guys are like, no, 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 we're going to stuff a quail. Yep, that's right. It's very the good. You have to... Is that you called it? I'm going to try it. Yeah, you have to come over after Thanksgiving, um, and we'll make my mom will make everything for us. Um, I'll buy but yeah, that, that, quail. Oh my god, don't the guy that we my mom buys poultry from is kosher. No way. Yeah. Okay, I will because come over. I will have your mom's kosher quail any day. What's the what's is there's something about like halal food is kosher, but kosher food is yes. not halal. Is that is that true? Yeah, halal. Okay. Um, so kosher has a stricter standard. Um, so if it's kosher, it will be halal, but if it's halal, it's not necessarily kosher. Got it. Okay. Okay. So yeah, the guy that she buys, um, poultry from is kosher and halal and he has all the stamps. Um, so you're good to go. What was, uh, what was your Thanksgiving like? So my first couple of years in the U S as you know, I'm not American. Um, we had a really close family friend. Her name was Miriam Carey. Her daughter, Sarah was one of my first friends in the United States and she would invite us to do a classic American Thanksgiving. Like we're talking like full American, like stuffing and turkey and cranberry homemade and also store-bought, both of them, like everything, like the pumpkin pie, marshmallow fluff on top of it, like the um, all American Thanksgiving. And we did that for, for a long time. Um, Thanksgiving was always at the Carrie's house. My friend Aileen would come to with her family. Um, and it was really beautiful. We, it felt like almost like eating in innings. Like we would do like a seventh inning stretch and then go serve ourselves more. Um, if anyone watches baseball, um, it was really, really fun. And then, you know, a couple of years passed and her daughters got older and me and my brother got older and we went to college and Thanksgiving became more, um, you know, just about the day off. So everyone would take off Wednesday night because no one had, um, school or work Thursday or Friday. So my brother and I would go to Mexico. Um, you know, her kids would travel. So she started doing a pre Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. So she has Thanksgiving every year, the week before Thanksgiving with all the traditional things. And then for actual Thanksgiving, I do go to Mexico. I'll be in Mexico this week, um, flying out Wednesday. And my aunt who really means well, will try to make me an, um, authentic Thanksgiving meal. Um, so she bought a Turkey once it was 
it was, a, it still is the largest turkey I've ever seen in my life. It was just a ginormous turkey and it was absolutely delicious. And she was so proud of it. She was taking pictures of it. She posted them on Facebook <laughs> with like all these stickers of like Thanksgiving and leaves mm-hmm. and pilgrims. And she's like, for my Americans, for my gringas. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I'll take it. Um, that's really sweet. So that's, that's what my Thanksgiving looks like. It looks like pre-Thanksgiving, all American. Mm-hmm. And then in Mexico, we try to do it. Uh, my aunt, it's more like for her, it's kind of like a gimmick. You know what Aww. I mean? Like, my my Americans are coming. I gotta make them Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> are you are you a snob about celebrating holidays on the actual day? No. So clearly I'm not because I had my birthday party two days before my actual birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like in Judaism you have to celebrate it on the actual day. But even then, like Hanukkah, for example, my family's not always all together for Hanukkah because it's not mm-hmm. like a, a holiday that you have to really like, um, you know, stop working or go to synagogue or anything. So sometimes we'll do like our gift exchange, like two weeks after or two weeks before Hanukkah. So, um, I think as long as the spirit of the day is there, um, mm. though, I really like celebrating on the actual day. Cause I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love communal things. I love feeling <laughs> like I'm part of a bigger group. What? So, shocking. Yeah. yeah shocking. <laughs> um, so I feel like we're all in it together. Wait, did you ever black Friday shop? Um, yes and no. My mom was more into the, the, what's it? Cyber Monday? Like the Monday after? What about you? Yeah. My, my mom and my sisters and I, we used to, we used to Black Friday, um, in Jersey. Um, my dad and my brother once like waited outside of Best Buy and like people are buying TVs and all these crazy things. And my dad walks out of there and we're like, what'd you get? What'd you get? And he just like holds up in his hand, this toy helicopter. He goes, helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, People are getting televisions and you waited online for two hours to get a helicopter, but he, he had a lot of fun. So yeah, we, we Black Friday sale. We, we, we like the shop. That, that's my dad. He's the one that got the helicopter. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He waited outside with my brother. I, I got oh. to, I got to hang out. It was fun. It was he a got time. a helicopter. He got that's a helicopter. Um, okay. That's really funny. But I, we're sharing these stories because in the spirit of American-ish, um, the way we celebrate holidays, specifically first-gen immigrants and people who come to this country, they tend to be very different than what traditionally mm-hmm. you see in TV or movies or whatever else. But that doesn't mean it's any less. You can still yeah. have, you can fly to Mexico, Mexico on Thanksgiving and it still be Thanksgiving. You can have macarona bechamel at the dinner table alongside the turkey and it still be Thanksgiving. Um, and mm-hmm. honestly, this, that's what makes these holidays special to us. And as a whole, they, they, they're yours to make of them what you want to make of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, smooth transition now, watch me smooth <laughs> transition. Um, our topic this week is Ticketmaster and, uh, Swifties, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about a lot and I actually have so many questions. Uh, the lovely Adela did a lot of research for us just you know i'm really taking it easy on her by giving her more research to do on top of her law school (laughs) um so adela where do you want to start so there's really two three main issues at play number one swifties are mad because they couldn't get their tickets because of technological glitches it's Ticketmaster's fault but also not really because they were completely overwhelmed no website could handle that traffic they were overconfident in their abilities the second issue is that Ticketmaster does you know have a ton of venues that they have exclusive deals with and artists feel like the only way to get their tours out there is through using Ticketmaster, but they're not an actual monopoly because there are other venues and there are other 
provider websites um, and selling websites. And the third issue is scalping because when, the whole reason why these oversell, it's not because of 14 million Taylor Swift fans. It's because of bot accounts that buy these tickets from the source, Ticketmaster being the source, to then resell them on other sites for, you know, some people have said have reported upwards of $50,000. Personally, I haven't been able to find them for that much, but um, you know that's what people have been saying, um, and it exploits the system. So those are the three main issues at play um, at play here. There, there has been DOJ scrutiny. The DOJ has opened multiple investigations into Ticketmaster, not just now, but in the past right. for its monopoly. But yeah. important to note, not for its technological glitches. So all the Swifties that think that this is going to fix the problem, it's not exactly going to fix the problem. Because if it wasn't going to be Ticketmaster, what if, you know, her show was going to be at Barclays and SeatGeek was the one that was exclusively selling the tickets, then SeatGeek would have crashed, right? So th that was just a volume issue. Taylor Swift was like, look, like we told them that we were going to have a ton of people buying tickets and they told us they could handle it. I'm so sorry. And she apologized to her fans. Now, in her apology, Taylor Swift straight up says... Like, you know, when she's talking about how, like, people got tickets, she's like, it's truly amazing. 2.4 million people got tickets. But it really pisses me off that a lot of them feel like they went through several bear attacks to get them. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Bear <laughs> attacks. Like, bear attacks. Like, Taylor Swift huh. is saying, like, oh, like, we're so sorry that you had to go through this terrible customer service experience akin to being attacked by a bear. But, yeah, so that's basically what's happening. The thing that I th I think is getting lost in the sauce with this conversation is pr precisely what you just pointed out, Adela. It's it's not that what happened with Taylor is what's getting Ticketmaster mm. checked into by the Department of Justice. It's that there's this problem that has existed for a little over a decade now, and um, I it's I don't follow this, you know, like it like I follow the Middle East or like it's gospel or anything. But I have kind of been keeping my eye on Ticketmaster for maybe a year or two now because I'm uh, I'm a big fan of stand up comedy, comedy in general. So I I try to go as many shows and as many uh, comedians as I can. And comedians have been shouting into the void about this for a couple of years now. They have mm -hmm. pointed out that Ticketmaster and Live Nation merging caused a huge issue because. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to sell your tickets through Ticketmaster, you're screwed because they also own the venues because when they merge with Live Nation, their logistical side of things merge. So now not only is Ticketmaster um, facilitating the transaction between artists and it, the viewership, the audience, us when we go buy tickets, but let's say you want to go, let's say you as an artist want to go to Columbus, Ohio to book a venue. And you don't want to sell your tickets through Ticketmaster because you think the fees are too high or they take too much off the top and your your audience coming to pay is paying too much of a ticket fee or, or whatever it is. You can't do that because Live Nation, i.e. Ticketmaster, owns the venue. Yeah. So unless you agree to their fees and them taking not only a portion of uh, the ticket price but adding 15% or 20% or whatever percent they want to the ticket sale you're screwed because you yeah. don't have an option but to use their venue and to use their transactional platform. And that yeah, causes happened. a lot of issues. Yeah, it causes a lot of issues. It happened to Pearl Jam in 1994. They sued Ticketmaster for precisely this, and they were locked out of playing at a lot of venues throughout the country. Imagine you're playing a game of Monopoly. 
And, you know, usually towards the end of the game, it gets to the point where your older brother has all of the properties, but like you still have some properties, like you're still kicking. Like every time you land, like you're going to have to pay like 10K, right? But like, it's possible that like you can keep this going for a couple more rounds. So while Ticketmaster isn't a full monopoly in the textbook sense, they are the largest player on the board. Like SeatGeek could barely compete with Ticketmaster, right? And then all of those second um, second reseller kind of uh, websites like StubHub, all of those tickets are coming originally from Ticketmaster. Scalpers buy Ticketmaster tickets and then they sell them on StubHub. Thousands of tickets that are owned by scalpers that are being resold at crazy prices that Swifties want to get their hands on, but they can't pay that price. And, you know, it's, it, it is a problem. So Can I um, actually, can I push yeah. you a little bit on this? Push me. On this, on the Ticketmaster is not a monopoly point. So we both agree that them being combined to create Live Nation Entertainment, which is the combination of Ticketmaster, which sells the tickets, mm-hmm. and Live Nation, which controls venues. You're saying it's not a monopoly, although we agree that no other entertainment business has its reach or power. So why is it not a monopoly? So the way I see it is it's not a monopoly because there are other players on the board. So for example, the first hair salon to also do nails is now doing hair and nails. So can you say maybe now they're a monopoly on the beauty industry because you can do both things. You can go somewhere else to do your hair. You can go somewhere else to do your nails, but this is a place where you get both, right? But there's other venues, like again, SeatGeek has a deal with AT&T Stadium and Barclays Center. Barclays Center is huge. So- This is just imagine like the biggest, biggest hair salon that does hair, nails, eyebrow tinting, eyelash tinting, does all your beauty services. And it also happens to have locations around the entire US, but then there's still other places, there's still other hair salons, there's still other nail salons, there's places that do it combined, places that do it separately. This is just the biggest player, which is why um, when they did merge, the, the Department of Justice did put like a watch on them. Like it did say like, okay, we're going to have to monitor you. And they technically have been monitoring quote mm-hmm. unquote Ticketmaster. And, um, you know, this latest fiasco is what's re-upping this whole situation. And, um, you know, I just think that, and, and now of course the legislators taken notice, like Amy Klobuchar is involved at this point and everyone's getting involved in Ticketmaster. But again, to, to all the Swifties, it's not because of you. It's because the problem that happened with the Taylor Swift incident is again putting scrutiny on Ticketmaster. But this has been going on for a long time. My sister's super into K-pop, like Korean pop. If anyone here listens to K-pop, my sister's a super big fan, like Blackpink. Like I, I listen to all of them in the background now I have to. Um, and it's the same thing. When when tickets go on sale, she got a pre-sale code that would put her in a certain queue, that would put her in the certain line, that would put her here. And she waited for hours and she had me on my computer, like literally like I was in law school and she was texting me. She's like, please, can you log on? Because mm-hmm. it locked me out. Can it lock you out? So this happens for a lot of other bands. And like back in the day, people used to have to wait in physical lines to get mm-hmm. tickets. Like before tickets would go on sale at 10 a.m. on a Monday and people would be there for the whole weekend, camped out physically, peeing in buckets, to get tickets to things. So like as much as it does suck to be in online waiting rooms and being kicked out and this, and it's an emotional turmoil and oh my God, that experience. It's like, dude, like people used to wait in actual physical lines and like you're in the comfort of your phone home on your cell phone or on your computer. And like, it's a terrible experience. I'd be more concerned about the prices than right. I am about the user experience. User experience is just a matter of volume and Ticketmaster is trying to grow out their capacity 
but that was a tech glitch. Like Swifties are mad about the tech glitch. They're not mad about what they should actually be mad about. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to wrap up soon, but I want to ask you from the perspective of a law student, do you think mm-hmm. that it's uh, just that the Department of Justice is stepping in here? Ooh. So it's a good question because as, as we know, I am a lovely libertarian and I don't think the government should get involved in anything. I think that the more the government gets involved in things, the less freedom we have. So, you know, in my, from what, on one hand, Live Nation and Ticketmaster are just really great negotiators, right? They, they made the deals with the venues. They made the deals with the artists and they're making good business, right? Like why should they get penalized for being the best at what they do? On the other hand, it does put the people at the mercy of these large companies. So, um, you know, from the point of view of a law student who is a libertarian, I think there definitely should be limits. And I think that this is this is it. Like, this is where the limit is being reached. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of the tech glitch with the Swifties, but because of um, the way that scalping works, because of the scalping culture, because of the checks and balances that have failed. Um, and because artists really do feel that if they don't go through Ticketmaster, they're not going to have a tour. Mm. So um, yeah. that's why I do think it's it's just for the government to step in. In a perfect world, um, I don't think they should. I, I don't think the government should be involved. But at the same time, I, I understand I live in the wonderful country of America where the government does step in. So I'd say that that limit has actually been reached. Wow. And on that note, I do have yeah. concluding thoughts. Please, um, conclude us. So, you know, earlier earlier this episode, we were talking about Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you did the thing where you go around the table and you say what you're grateful for. Like, we, we used to do that a lot. And, did you know, you really? we actually, yeah, we, we didn't even do it on Thanksgiving. Like, we also did it at Thanksgiving. But we used to do this on my Shabbat table. We used to call it, like, the cheers of the week. And mm-hmm. we would go around to each person and be like, what is your cheer of the week? Like, what what's something you're proud of yourself? Here, thinking about what I'm grateful for while doing research for this episode, Um, made me realize how grateful I am that this is an issue here in this country, right? Because monopolies, they're not a joke, but I love that this is such a big problem. The Taylor Swift fiasco on Ticketmaster is such a problem that the Department of Justice is stepping in and that this is the kind of problems, quote unquote, we have in America. Like, it's not that there's a dictator. It's not that there's food shortages. (laughs) Maybe we have some of those things, but at least we're not in the place where this isn't an issue at all. You know, Mm -hmm. like we're have the liberty of having disposable income to go see concerts and we get to complain that they're charging too much for us to go see those concerts with our disposable income you know like what a wonderful problem to have it's still a problem yeah but what a wonderful problem to have god bless america (laughs) it's always so nice when you have a problem and you have a sec to step back and be like wow this is a pretty cool problem to have a pretty cool problem (laughs) yeah yeah, it's like it's like literally like the, the kind of problem like this is a perfect example. I um I had a bat mitzvah this Saturday night, which was really fun. And the dress I was going to wear, I pull it out right before I'm about to hop in the shower like 2 hours before the party and there's a giant stain on it. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh." So I run to the cleaners and I'm like, "Hey, can you clean this?" And they're like, "No, we can't. We can't do same day, whatever." And I'm like, "Oh no, I guess I'm going to have to just buy a new dress." So I run to Nordstrom and I'm like, "Oh my god, do you have anything?" And I found a dress and I was on sale and I bought it and I was so happy and then I ran to get my nails done cuz I hadn't gotten my nails done. And I sat down and I told her, "I'm like, you don't know the day I'm having. I have a party and my dress has a stain, so I had to go and buy a new one." <laughs> she was like, "Tell me more about your problems." What a wonderful problem to have. Amen. So God bless America. All these Swifties that are like freaking out because it was the end of the world and it's as if they were mauled by bears. They're like, oh, it was like fighting off bears. 
Dude, you were on an online waiting room to buy tickets to a concert. Adela, you're really dancing with the devil on this episode because the Swifties are going to come after you. And I just want to, I want to point out Swifties. I have not said a single bad thing about you this whole episode. I am one of you. Please forgive us. Uh I apologize. No, it's, I, I agree. This is a valid problem to have. I just love recognizing how this is the kind of problem we consider valid, which I love. And no hate against Taylor Swift. I, I I do really like Taylor Swift. I'm not exactly a Swiftie. I have really good friends with the Swiftie. She, she adores Taylor Swift more than I think she adores anything in the world. I do like Taylor Swift. Love story. Dope song. Transition from country to pop. Big fan of that. Female empowerment. Big fan of that. Not sure how to dance, but owns it. Big fan of that. (laughs) Big fan of T-Swift. On that note, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. See you next week.